Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. I'm Matt. And I'm Alex. And I'm Carrie. Welcome guys back to the Game Junkies podcast. Junkies, uh, we've had a little bit of a break because of various offline um, excursions and issues, but we're here. Um, just me and Alex today. Uh, we we are. Well, Alex, why don't you don't tell everyone at home what we're doing today? Oh yes, I'm Alex. As Matt introduced me, and today we are talking about Jedi Survivor, a recent game, relatively speaking. It's been out a couple months, but with some of the issues it's had, we could say it's fairly recent, because it is still receiving patches and updates to maximise efficiency. Absolutely. Absolutely. We will mention, of course, um, spoilers ahead if you haven't played it yet, uh, because it is a relatively recent game. And while... This review might seem a little biased. We are we are basically more or less discussing rather than the game's performance as a whole, we're discussing the game's performance while we played it. Because I'm think you're in the same boat as me, Matt. On the Xbox, we had zero issues. I know I had. I had zero problems. I zero problems. Yeah. Because obviously there's been a lot of issues with crashing, frame rate drops and cutscenes, general bugs and glitches. We never had that. Yeah. Especially on PC. Yeah. Yeah, the PC version was almost unplayable at one point, yeah. Uh, by all accounts. Um, so we were quite lucky. The PlayStation version wasn't great, but that's now been patched to, I would say, Xbox level, which is good um, for PlayStation players, of course. Um, there are some amazing parts in this game. We are, we are going to talk briefly about Jedi Fallen Order throughout this as well, I know, Alex, because it's part of the series. Um, there are some brilliant loading screens in this hidden loading screens in this um my um my husband chris made very um acute notes of it every time i was playing it he'll just say like hidden loading screen hidden loading screen like i know but it looks good that's fine <laughs> that's obviously where um cow is um maneuvering his way through the, the, the tight rock faces and through various nooks and crannies it's quite clever how they do it, to be fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them that, because it you think of it as open world, but those little nooks and crannies, the way they do it with the camera, is basically a hidden Logan screen. It's genius. I've seen I've seen them do it with... Um, I know you haven't played them yet, and if you really should give them a try, if you can, if you want to, they're in your cloud, Alex, now. Um, it's the Batman Arkham games. Um, they very cleverly actually um, put some loading screens in without you knowing they're there. It's actually, it's actually really quite clever how some people do it. Um, not so good Skyrim, for example, where you just basically rotate a model dragon 
for like for like 45 seconds to a minute um that's not quite such a good loading screen but you know times have changed obviously right so alex where do you want to begin okay let's begin with a general rundown of the game okay so We'll give a slight recap to Jedi Fallen Order just to bring us up to speed. So, at this point, in Jedi like, Fallen Order. At this yep. point, I'd like to point out to the people at home: um, when you get this game, they you haven't have you haven't got to have played Fallen Order because it does, and that is doing right now for you. Uh, it does give you a full recap of the game of the important parts to catch you up story-wise, which I think is the first of its kind of in one generation. So I would recommend playing it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, anyway, uh, do continue, because I, I want to uh, let you go. So. so, for a general rundown, Jedi Fallen Order takes place five years after Order 66 the purge that wiped out the Jedi that where um, Darth Sidious used the clones as they had a something known as an inhibitor chip built into their um, genetics it was basically just a list of command codes that were designed to once a command code was issued it basically like flicked a switch in the clones followed that code and obviously Order 66 was to take out the Jedi lethal for with lethal force. I don't know the exact wording for it, but that's basically what they did. So, it takes place five years after the Purge. He plays a Padawan known as Calcastus, a lovable little ginger who spends most of the game pushing back his hair to make sure it's looking fabulous. I need to point out at this point that um, he is portrayed by, uh, in terms of um, voice and in terms of motion capture, by the amazing Cameron Monaghan. Um, better known to some people as Ian from Shameless in the U in America, or um, as, the jo as the Joker in, um, in Gotham, I believe. Um, he, he is a phenomenal actor, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say, Alex, um, as the gay one out of the two of us, very hot. He's he a great guy, to be fair, and he's a fantastic actor. He is, he is. Um, you, people out there have definitely seen the adverts of him and Mark Hamill. I'm like, oh god. The, those two together, it was the, the good chemistry. It was such good chemistry. It was great. That's what you got to remember, though. If these this style of game in a lot of games nowadays is things like Call of Duty, especially. Yeah, it's all done with real people and real actors and real stunt performers. They have the suits on and they perform a lot of what you see in the game. It's not just CGI anymore, is it? No, and the ponchos. And ponchos. So, after saving a friend, he is discovered by the Inquis Inquisitorious, which is a group of Sith assassins in a 
short context, they had much bigger role. They were tracking down force sensitives and stuff like that. But he was discovered by them and is able to escape the planet he's on with the help of a fallen Jedi. That's the best no, way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, best way of putting it, a full Jedi. A fallen Jedi, Sirjan, the, and Grease Stridus, a Latero pilot. Yeah, there, there is some big... Um, some people may be aware of the Inquisitors if they've watched, um, again, spoilers, if you've seen the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I don't know if Axe has said that or not yet. So I apologize no. if I spoil anything for him here. They've been around a lot longer than that, to be fair. Like they, but they, they were comic yeah. book, oh, comic of book course. characters of back course. in the day, of course. But so they've been around for. They've done a lot. They've done a lot of in this the the um, Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor games are very much canon as well because something that's happened in the recent Mandalorian series, had they've actually mentioned, um. I believe Lillard's mentioned they actually had a, you actually see the um you actually see Cal's um Jedi Master and Young Cal. So there is actual so it's just Matt people are just like wondering how long till Cameron actually appeared in a, in a Star Wars film now. Um sorry to, and also um we there's I believe the Inquisitors here are here are the sixth sister. I believe that's right. Are you on about the live action or are you on about the game? Now? The game. The game. The game here I think is six uh, the second sister and the ninth sister. Yeah, because in the in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the third sister's there. So I like the fact that they're all they've all got ranked clearly. And and that's and I really do like that. Um so yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm interrupting. Alex. I'm carry on. I'm so sorry for interrupting. No, I'm excited. I'm excited because this is something we we both are excited about. So, so the quest he's given is to to help rebuild the Jedi Order. The there's beliefs that this could be achieved through following Seer Jinder's master, Eno Cordova. Eno Cordova, as he went on a mission to discover about a lost race known as a Zepho. Cal, with the help of BD-1, who chooses him to follow Eno Cordova's path, they venture out from planet to planet in search of information where they discover a holocron containing a list of four sensitive children, which they intend to become the next generation of Jedi. Obviously, in typical Star Wars fashion, nothing really goes to plan. The Empire get in the way, Stormtroopers get in the way, Inquisitor just get in the way. An old an old man who is probably one of my favourite bad guys actually in the first game, known as Terra Malikos, gets in the way. But point general point is we go around planets discovering Eno Cordova's path getting in the way of the Empire, the Empire getting in the way of us. An encounter with Darth Vader at the end, which goes horribly wrong, and we barely make it out alive, and then we destroy the Holocron, so the Empire can never get their hands on it. This, uh, one little thing on that, 
I'm I I've mentioned this with someone else, but I wanted to know your opinion. Did it need Darth Vader? No, no, no. I disagree with that. No, 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 no. No, did it need it? I'm not, I'm not, oh, I mean, it perfectly oh, said didn't need it. No, did it need Darth Vader? I mean, yes. I mean, I don't feel that. I feel it could, would have been fine without him. Um, I just feel like they put him in there for the, the shock value, and it worked. Clive didn't fucking expect him to turn up. <laughs> Darth, Darth Vader is very much the definition of bad guy. Like he is, he is an icon as yeah. a villain, isn't he? I it, mean, it very much was fan service, hmm. but it's very it's well earned fan service. You don't think. Oh, they threw that in there just to make it more interesting. They threw Darth Vader in there because they knew the fans would love it. Absolutely, um, it's the same in in a, in a few other areas like that. Um, I'm thinking straight away for me, uh, Doctor Who fan, for example, uh, it, the Daleks, for example, instantly recognisable. Even if you're not a fan of that series, you know what one looks like, for, for example. Yes. Yes. Like for me, it was the Cybermen. They were mm. the first. They were the first ever Doctor Who villain I saw. So I've always recognised the Cybermen. Equally terrifying. Equally terrifying. And actually, arguably more terrifying because they can march. So that they 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 will catch you and they will kill you. Um, it when you got such an iconic bad guy, it they they have earned that right. Of course they have. I'm not saying for a moment that putting him in was was cheap fan service. I don't think I'm not saying that. Well, I, uh, he uh, it made sense in a way because it wasn't it didn't really impact the um, the timeline much in terms of messing it up by putting him in there because at that point he was hunting down four sensitive four senses, wasn't he? So. It made perfect sense that he would be in the place where the um, where the holocron was being sought. It would make it make perfect sense. So, and the fact that he never even had a health bar just goes to show the level and the difference in power between the two characters. Yeah, Cal gets thrown around like a toy. But to be fair, Darth Vader is meant to be well. I know Luke's in the equation, but not Darth Vader is not. going to be the most powerful force user in the entire galaxy. He Inde- was the chosen one. Indeed, at that point, Luke's five years old, so there's no way at that point Luke's, Luke's going to tie with, uh, with Vader, for sure. But yeah, so we skip five years now. Yes. In between the five years, there is a um, novelization called Battle Scars, but we'll ignore that because it's got very mixed feelings. Some people love it, some people hate it. I have not read it, and I don't have the patience to read through books, so we'll from, ignore Battle Scars. From what I've heard about it, it's worth a read, but its place in the canon is disputed, for sure. Yeah. But Whether the games the game. are confirmed to be canon, so makes more sense to go off with them. Absolutely. So, anyway, five years on, 
things have changed, yeah. including his hairstyle. And the beard. Okay, so five years on, Cal is at this point 22, 23. Five years have passed, the Empire's growing stronger, Cal's gotten hotter. You're not kidding. Uh, and he's working with Saw Gerrera and a group of other rebels to basically just hassle the Empire, gain information on them in, do their best to slow him down. Pretty much. The the, the the words. The game begins on Coruscant, where they're planning to infiltrate a um, senator's ship to gain information. Which, can I just say, the fact that they put Coruscant on this game and the fact that you can go back to Coruscant afterwards. I know it's not very big and obviously you can't explore the top path because you're a terrorist, theoretically, in the Empire's eyes, so you couldn't go up to the um, surface of Coruscant, but just the fact that Coruscant's in this game is fantastic, even if I did wish it was a little bit bigger. It's little, it's little things like that which make a big, which can, which, can, which make a make a big difference sometimes. It's little nods to the cannons and things like that. It's it's big deal, absolutely a big deal. Um, I like the fact that they had that it was actually such a, a clever way of doing a mission to remind you how to do all the moves and things. Yeah. And what I also like is is as you unlocked your, your moves through the first game, I thought. Well, here I actually thought when I picked the game up, I thought, well, like every game is gonna you're gonna have to relearn all your moves again, all these things we spent so long unlocking. Nope, they're all there. They're all there. They've got new ones you can unlock, which is really cool. But I was pleasantly surprised you didn't have to re-unlock wall running, for example. You didn't have to re-unlock. Um, you know, blaster blocking, that's and stuff like that. These are stuff that you all had from the start, and as you're going through the first bit, it reminded you how to do them, sort of thing. So you weren't relearning using them as such. It was just, it was just a case of, well, you got to do it here, sort of thing. I like that. I like that. More games need to be need, need to do things along that line. So the mission goes relatively well with a couple hiccups. The information is collected and they learn that the Empire has vastly grown in size and has conquered and grown throughout the entire galaxy. So this definitely puts Cal on a downer. And then out of nowhere, the Ninth Sister shows up again, surviving her fall from, I can't remember what the tree, the Great Tree is called in Kashyyyk, something yeah. like the Great Tree something. Chief survives her fall, kills the senator. We then lose three members out of the six. Rip to Gabs and the twins. And after a bit more, after a bit more traversing through the environment, we take on the ninth sister and absolutely slaughter her. I do love. The, you can really see the difference between Cal's fighting ability from the first game to Cal's fighting ability in this game because he does not struggle with this fight rematch at all, does he? No, absolutely. I was about to mention just that. Um, 
which shows that we are on the same sort of wavelength one for sure. Um, given that the, for the first game when you fought the, the Knights is that it was a brutal fight. It was a brutal fight at times, uh, particularly depending on which level you have it on. Um, this one, it was almost simple. But it goes to show how far, you know, five years Cal has come. It's designed for that reason. So you, as a player, like, whoa. Okay, Cal's not fucking mm. around anymore. The the uh, um, Purge Troopers are a perfect example of that, actually. Yes. Because after I played through Jedi Survivor for the first time, I decided to jump back into Jedi Fallen Order just for a quick speed playthrough. The, the difficulty I had fighting Purge Troopers in Fallen Order compared to Survivor is... The difference was ridiculous. They are so much stronger in the first game than they are in the new game. But that makes sense. That really just it just goes to show the power difference that Cal is well, I mean, he's being trained by a Jedi Master now, so it made sense. Absolutely. So we escape Coruscant. Bode tries Bode. We never even mentioned all the um crew members. So you got the twins, Gabs, Bode, and um, Bravo. Yeah. So at this point, Gabs and the twin are dead. And we're just about to escape Coruscant. Bode has led some of the fighters away, and you and Bravo are together before Bravo gets blown up. Yeah. So at this point, we have no idea if Bode's made it out. As far as we know, we're the only one. Yeah. We are, we're about, we're flying, we're still flying, we're actually flying the ship from the first game. The Mantis. Um, I say we're flying it. This is a cutscene. We're going to fly the damn thing properly. Which is my only gripe with the whole game, I'll be honest. True, but I mean, hey, by the looks of things, Star Wars Outlaws will fix that issue. But we'll talk about that later. Absolutely, we'll talk, we'll talk about that later. But I think, I think so my only gripe with with this real gripe with this game and Fallen Order was that I couldn't fly the damn Mantis. Because I, 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 like, I get uh, it in Fallen Order. I get it, it in Fallen like, Order. But it would have yeah. been nice in this one. It looks like a ship which would be, would be a beast to fly. Um, but as you say, we but. Um, Say he gets he gets away, but doesn't get away clean, does he? He doesn't get away without consequences. Yes. The consequences of your actions. And at this point, after the ship is suffering engine failure from the gyro, which I believe is to do with I'm not sure exactly what it's to do with, but I believe it's like a um no, I can't fucking remember. I've looked it up, but I can't remember what the gyro is for on ships in Star Wars. Thinking about basic, think basically you can't jump, which is the big thing of Star Wars ships. They need to jump. So we we end up crash landing on the planet Kobo, which this game does something slightly different to the original. In mm. the original, the planets felt were very much platformers weren't they this one still is at times but they were sort of open world but they weren't like they had sections 
Coruscant very much felt like the original planet. It felt like a platformer. Yeah, it felt it feels a bit metro metrovania in places where you go places and you come back after unlocked abilities and that sort of thing. And then you get the Shadow Moon as well, which feels like a platformer. But in this game, we have two planets, Kobo and Jeddah. Yeah. Which are a lot bigger and a lot more open world than we've seen before with these games. Particularly Jeddah. Hmm. Not to be confused so, with Saudi Arabia. Although it looks so like... At this, so at this point, we're looking for, for Greece as without him we're never going to get the mantis up and running so we traverse through the land we encounter battle droids which is a really nice throwback and i think they make for a great like other enemy in this game mix it up for sure don't they yeah did you listen to the one did you wait for the dialogue to happen with the um b1 on the cliff explain how it's a dilemma that he wouldn't be able to see the view if he got a promotion. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, like oh. dilemma solved. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I feel bad for a moment. <laughs> You're demoted, sir. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad. And he's, then he's like, all i got to do is crush the locals. Yeah. Um, was, they were nice callbacks and even... and. Probably one of the best Star Wars games of all time, Lego Star Wars Complete Saga, where you where they got their Roger Roger. It is it iconic now in Star Wars lore. Um, and when they popped up, I'm like, oh, I get to sort of it's not now as well. Wonderful. So we traverse through Kobo, encounter the Bedlam Raiders, which are a lovely bunch in search of something we get to meet ravis who is a lovely man made out of tentacles also looking for something as you we save someone called turgil we save someone called turgil who they were about to kill yes turgil is an absolute gem and i don't care what people say yeah matt has muted himself to throw abuse at me no, 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 not at all. I just want to get someone on the microphone. Carry on. Oh, okay. I'm surprised by that. Not many people like Turgle. Uh, Turgle is... Um, do you know what? People can hate on him, but the fact of the is that he adds character. For sure. Um, that's one thing, because... Basically, Grease has opened up a cantina. Basically. Um, and... This, and you can return to Kobo and people you find throughout the world uh, plural uh, wind up here and it's nice because then you get more missions more side missions and things I'm all for that so after saving Turkle we get introduced to Domodendra who is like an ink sort of running by choice of the town as their mayor before we meet Grease who apart from missing an arm looks a whole lot healthier and happier in this game if you ask me yes he bought the saloon after the 
previous owner was killed by the Bedlam Raiders. And they then named it Pyloon Saloon after his great-grandmother. You there? Yeah. yeah, you froze on my end, that was all. Sorry, I was here, yeah. I'm here. Wait for you. No, it's it's um It's really cute how he named it after named it after her, for sure. It's adorable in places in fact. Um there's also a woman I say woman, I'm thinking she's a woman, who's got a shop across the road where you can buy all these sort of upgrades and things. Yeah, Domodendra. Mm, and you've also got a roof garden as well, where you can like, plant flowers and things. Because um, you can't do that on the mantis anymore, but that's okay, because you can do it here instead. I, I, I prefer that. Like, the big roof garden is quite fun, actually. It makes a matter of sense, doesn't it? And if you find somebody, they will uh, become the gardener there for you, basically. Which is nice. After having a reunion and a small argument with Greece, as we, it truly becomes obvious how tired of fighting Cal is at this point. He sends us on our way into his um, smuggler's tunnel underneath the cantina to find a new gyro for the ship, where some interesting stuff happens. Yes. But Matt, why don't you take us through the next section of what happens? Well, I would, but I don't have to ruin you. It all for you, Alex. This is your, this is your baby. Yeah, true, but it doesn't hurt to take sections in talking. Well, she, he comes while he's down there. He comes across a well, a droid. My favourite part. Uh, one of my favourite parts. Um, ZN A four or Z. Okay, I think ZN, I guess, is what meant is what people would actually got ZN for us. That's the problem with difference in language between England and America. Um, and she served the the, uh, the Jedi High Order um, um, during the Republic era, um, and she gives and she gives Kawai a, a, a Republic tuner. Um, because she was ordered to activate the forest array, but she's hundreds of years old at this point, and she was just and she was stuck in something which we free her from, of course. And then she just goes and hangs out at the cantina. I'm like, my dude, get in the ship and come with me, sort of thing. Be my C3PO. Nope. I'd like to point out, we, we, we always have BD1 on our shoulder at all times as well in this game. With our little personal droid. A lot of people want BD1 toys now. I can't say that by them. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, the Force Array um, is quite a challenge to get to. It's quite well protected, to be fair. It's meant to be. Um, and they end up pretty much battling. We end up battling our way up to the array and fighting our way through various forces. And we find um, some force visions of 
two Jedi, um, Santari Kree and um, Dagan Gera. Um, Dagan Gera, in particular, is significant because he's there. As in, still there, hundreds of years later. Um, he's in a Bacta tank. Which is the same thing Darth Vader was in after he fell into the lava. Just saying. Uh, that should have been a bit of a tip. Spoilers for ahead. Um, yeah. Um, Gera and Kree, they both discovered Tunnel, which is a hidden planet behind um, I've wrote this down here the Cabo Abyss Nebula um, basically the Empire can't get there which is great it means you can hide and after Calabria the, the array um, he frees um, Dagon um, to recruit him and why wouldn't you of course he's a Jedi why would he not want to recruit him what goes wrong, Alex? Nagangera explains that the Jedi Order abandoned Tanalor after some raiders attacked. And when they refused to counterattack, they attempted to destroy all, all the compasses that helped them navigate the Kobo Abyss. Which, just for a little reference, the ma- the reason they were... Once Tanalor was discovered, they tried countless times to reach it. And they were going to give up on it until Dagangera offered to fly in alone. And he was the one sole pilot that managed to make it through. After mapping the course he took, they made these contraptions called compasses to help them navigate through it which is which ha- plays a big role but we'll come back to the compasses yeah we'll come anyway, back after that. after refusing to do that the Jedi Order tried to destroy the compasses to mask Tanalore make sure it doesn't ever get reached again in destroying these Dagangera goes on a murderous rampage killing his fellow Jedi which, if you go around the map, you can find Force Echoes of the Jedi who were basically on the run and exploring Kobo after this. Yeah. And there are some brutal moments, because there are some young Jedi in, in these group of Jedis who were killed. There are. There are. It's, it's dark, very dark in places. There's some, there are some light moments as well, though. Some really nice moments. But... To be fair, they on the run from Order 66. It was it's a scary time. Scary time. To, but to speed it up, Dagangera, in anger of all of this, held on to his hatred and turned to the dark side. Oh, of course. We did. face off against him. And we best we the way I feel it, we bested him in lightsaber combat. 
but then he beats us using the force is he is clearly a more powerful force user yeah bearing in mind he has been in a bacta tank for 200 years so he probably is a little rusty with only one arm as well that's the thing he, he does best us the force with one arm hmm so after he bests us and escapes with his accomplice Ravis, mm. we are we head back to the Mantis because we've fulfilled C's task, but obviously it hasn't exactly gone well. Mm. Once we arrive back, we find out the Mantis has just been fixed, and before before we continue. The little vill the um Jawa village that we travelled through on the yeah. way back. Because the map I find the maps a bit confusing in this game. Yeah. I thought I had to traverse the Jawa village. But obviously you need the um the extra boost unlocked when you do the um double jump. Yeah. So I spent like the best part of half an hour there trying to work out how the fuck to get back. And then I realized I just had to follow the route to the end. I was like, oh my god, I, I hated this game at this point. Oh, to a bit of fly on the wall when you were when you were going through that. Um Oh, that was not fun. No, I've been I've been there before. I've been, I've done that myself in other other games. I can't mock. Um Yeah. Um So yeah, they head for Jedi, don't they? Yeah, at this point, after managing to convince Grease to fly the Mantis again, we head to Jeddah with Bodento as he managed to escape the Empire. Indeed. So anyway, we arrive on Jeddah where we are going to speak to Seer, as Seer has been there for the past few years doing something interesting. We traverse through ancient ruins kill stormtroopers because that's what we do best and then we encounter our good old friend Merrin and oh my god the flirting in this game between the two of them through this first section you can tell that something something happened in the, in the, in the five years we don't see um, and jump ahead a little bit but a little more ahead um, but this is one of the most open world parts because um, Merrin is the person sent out to be the person to meet him, sort of thing, and they end up on what is what is a, a spammel, reverse giraffe, basically. It, yes, actually, um, but it makes absolute sense when you think about it, because a spammel is a space camel, so it makes perfect sense. It's called a spammel. I like that. I liked it. They were a little bit cumbersome, but let's face it, they got legs that are the size of. Well, they look like. They look like AT, so no wonder they were a little bit clunky. But they are a fast way to get around, for sure. And you can use them to, to double jump off as well, for a bit of boost as well. So, so after using the Espanol for a little bit. We don't beat the desert storm that's approaching. We hunger through the sandstorm, taking out a some stormtroopers as we do, and an AT. 
and then we make camp for the night and Cal talks to Marin about what he's been up to what she's been up to he tells her about, about Tantalor but at the same time he's reluctant to do it because fighting the Empire is all he knows and after a very adorable cutter which I will admit made me grin ear to ear the next day passes and we we head up to the base that Seer is at but rather than being greeted by Seer we're greeted by Eno Cordova yeah that threw me which oh, I oh, have oh, to... oh, bitch are you bitch yeah. you did I never expected to see him no. the thing is though it's never confirmed he's dead. We all just assumed he was dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 what do you say? We naturally assumed that. And no, he's not. <laughs> like, oh, this is cool. This is kind of cool. We get we get, we get maybe clearly a curve, but what else do we, we get? Get throw at a sort of thing, and then we yeah. meet, and then we we do meet Sir, who decided he decided that the um. That Master Windu is clearly her her mentor when it comes to hairstyles. Now, I'm talking, of course, about the bald look she's going for, hey, which is the Seer is my favourite. See, such an arc between the two games. Hmm. She goes through some real shit, and yet. Yeah, Here we, she is, trying to rebuild the Jedi archives. Basically, we we learn that she is working with the Hidden Path, giving Force yeah. sensitives and people who, who are affected by the Empire a uh, new life. Yes, um, this is heavily expanded upon in Obi Wan Kenobi TV series. So, people wanting more about that, there's your homework. Um, <laughs> and it, the name it's funny actually because I never watched well, I never actually watched the Kenobi series until after this game because I just I watched the first episode and I couldn't get into it yeah takes a while sometimes but in the in the hut where just before Darth Vader shows up when they're in that back room behind the um, Empire's building, there's the names written on the wall. Seer and Eno Cordova's names are on that wall. Makes sense. And they are put in the shot. So I imagine there is enough people who knew that Eno Cordova was alive because of that, but because I never actually watched it until after mm. this game, I missed this. So... It was a fantastic surprise to see he was alive. I like those sorts of things. I mean, you you see like little little cameos like that and little nods to other parts of of different series, different games, and you think like, what well, is that part of the same world sort of thing? Uh, it's slightly different, I'm aware, but there is a nod to Frank West from the Dead Rising game in Left 4 Dead 2, which both zombie games, uh, very different worlds. <laughs> But it's nice that but they, they acknowledge each other sort of thing. So we wanna and it's pretty popular part of the same world. But we don't know that for certain. Whereas here it's quite clear that they are definitely the same um timeline, same canonicity. It's all it's all wonderful. 
but yeah, they um they're on um Jeddah and they've they hidden, they're working over the hidden path, as you say, Alex. Um and um Um Steve and Cordova, they've used the archives to research um Kobo and Talanor. Um and Cordova explained that Dagon was the first and only pilot who managed to find a path through, as you as you mentioned. Um the um Bree's the one who um cut Dagon's arm off, we find out though. Which makes a little bit of sense because I feel I got for a while uh the spurned lover vibe from them. That's what I got. I, I think that was the case. But I feel like it got more than that. It they, started with that. They were it, both too. In, in, they were both too noble to the order because obviously the Jedi Order forbids relationships. Of course, because that's what that's why it was um, a bit rocky with Padme, obviously, and Anakin, of course. Um, I mean, arguably, that's the only reason Anakin turned to the dark side. Arguably so. Yes, indeed. Um... But yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so they called over, um, complaining about the three compasses that are unaccounted for, which we're gonna come back to now, of course. That, um, it's amazing how they all want to reach Hanor for a different reason. Um, I've. Got in here. Bode wants to find refuge for his daughter. Uh, Merin wants Talanor to be a place for a hidden path. Understandable. Um, Cal just wants to stop the fighting. Boy wants to do some farming, work on his abs some more. Um, it's and you end up spending time on a cup on the chatted moon, for example, as I mentioned earlier. And I'm trying to remember the name of the planet you fly to as well. It is Kobo, yeah. It's a Kobo, yeah. Um, it's it's cool having got so much stuff on one planet to work with as well. So um, it's during this journey, of course, as well, that Cal and Marin decide to go further with their relationship. We'll get to that later, because we're not quite there yet. No, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying during this journey, I'm saying. I didn't think it happened oh, yet. Yeah, sure. Right, so, Alex. Yeah. So, after getting some information from Eno Cordova and catching up with Sierra and Merrin, we adventure back to the land of Kobo, and as well as the Shattered Moon, which is a High Republic space station on a moon that, from what I gather, was hit by an asteroid. And that's why it's the Shattered Moon. God, could you imagine being on that space station when an event like that would go down? That must have been something. That doesn't bear thinking about. Hmm. But yeah, after 
going through the Shattered Moon in Dagangera's home to learn more, see if we can find a compass. At this point, this section very much feels like filler. Like, progressing slightly, learning more. At this point, we have every stance unlocked. Yes, the stances is a cool thing here because obviously in the first game you could you could have the basic one, you could have like a single-handed one, you could have a double one, or you could have a split, which was cool. And then you had a, you got you get a couple new ones in this one. You basically get um Kono Ren, the hunts, basically, and you get blaster stance. Which I soon as I had it, I never unequipped it. I was exactly the same. What? So, the big one in this game, obviously, in the first game, you get your single blade, your double blade, and then you had a split blade attack, which splits the blades in half and you swing the two sabers. It does a lot of damage and then they connect them back together. Yes. But in this game, you had the single blade and the double blade you have an option to permanently dual wield in but you use like a shoto saber which is a like a shorter blade which i really like mm. and this game also introduces us to the blaster stance which is a saber and a blaster which very much feels like a dark souls kind of if jedi fallen order and survivor sort of has souls like gameplay when it comes to battling it does. In the blaster stance, very much ends up making it definitely feel like a Souls game. It does. And but then we also. I don't mind that. I don't mind it. It works for it. Then we have the crossguard stance, which is an extra long, extra juicy blade, which deals a whole buttload of damage. That is incredibly slow. So. How would how do you rank them? What was what was the two you used the most, and what one did you use the least? I I, I rarely used the um the heavy duty one. I rarely used that one because it's just it it leaves you too open, it leaves you too open to to to, to counterattack. Um, my main one was blaster, and the second one I used was split because it was just it was just quick and easy sort of thing. Um, Blaster, I used predominantly when I had um, far off ones to deal with at the same time, and I would switch to um, a Kimbo, like a better term, um, to uh, deal with big crowds because I, I would throw one. Cause I'm not skills to throw them. I'm not, I'd throw one and you'd be using another one at the same time, sort of thing. It was it, you had you had so much versatility with it. It was great. Blaster Stance was my absolute favourite. I used that pretty much the entire game. Yeah. The secondary stance I used the most was actually the original, the like the single blade. Yeah. Because it's it's iconic. It's original. Then my next favourite, which I split. I what I tended to do was when I got bored of using a single stance, I would switch to the dual wield. Yeah. So the single in the dual wield was back and forth for me. I, I always had the blaster stance, always. The dual wield is then, always one. Then I used the cross guard. I love the cross guard, but it looks a little funky because of how long the blade is. 
Yeah. And as you've said, it's if you if you're good at the game, it's basically the only stance you should use because it's the damage is ridiculous, the block meter damage is ridiculous, the power shooting black shooting back blaster bolts is ridiculous, but it's just so slow. Yeah, it is a little bit, isn't it? And the one I used the least, I never used it after Coruscant, was the double blade. Because I don't know if you noticed, but the double blade had a massive change in style from Fallen Order to this game. It it very much felt it felt slower because they were like putting more elo eloquence in the movements. You spent a lot more time open to being hit with the double bladed. The double blade is one of my favorite lightsabers, so it feels sacrilege, but I never really used it. But in this game, it just doesn't, it isn't that nice to use. It did feel a little bit. Um, it did feel different. That's the best way of putting it. Yeah, it didn't feel right. But yeah, the blaster stance tops all of them. It's my absolute favorite, and I adore every minute of using it. The only time I didn't use it was when I was facing Jedi's. When I was facing lightsaber users, I always tended to go to a single stance because it just felt more traditional. Honorable, you one could say, yeah. Yes, honorable, traditional. So after doing the Shattered Moon in Dagangera's Mansion, which, if I'm honest, feels a little bit filler. Like, I found this part of the game a bit boring. It, it could have been a lot faster, for sure, I think. We head back to Jeddah, which, oh boy, a whole lot happens. We learn that the Imperials are sending a mining ex exhibition to the place where the hidden path is hiding people and where they have contact codes for the Hidden Path. So if the Empire stumble upon that, the whole Hidden Path is in ruins. The whole game's over. All the people they helped, it's over. So Cal and Merin venture through the desert, take out a whole lot of enemies, and then go through the, um, the ancient temple where the Hidden Path is set up. They take out more Imperial Troopers, as you do. Some... The big new battle droid units. Um. Until we eventually run... Until we eventually run into Armaius, who hands us the codes. He says they will be safer with us, which makes sense, being a Jedi, before he gets stepped on. Yeah. Mary manages to save us because her magic is ridiculously powerful, because she is a Knight Sister. Indeed. We tr attempt to escape the mining exhibition drill, which, for being so big, is surprisingly fast and robust as it chases you throughout the map. We reach a dead end. Marin asks if we trust her as she opens a portal. Obviously, Cal, who is always who's probably always had feelings for her, says yes, and then she kisses him. And at this point, I, I was 
a wreck. I was like, oh god, now they want me to go through this whole sequence, which is arguably one of the best sequences in the entire game. Is you jump through portal to portal, blast of fire everywhere, explosions. There's a problem here, though. There's a uh, big problem here. Is that there is a glitch in this portal jump. Is that? that can happen. Is that you get to the end of it, you're running along the uh, the platform, and at the end, there's no portal to jump into. feel bad about I never had that issue. 36 times. In a row. I never had that. Are you sure you just didn't just miss it? No, no. 36 times. I was looking everywhere for that fucker. I was pissed. I was pissed. And then I did find it. So, um... I don't know if I just—I don't think I missed it. I genuinely don't think I missed it. I'd—I'd I'd like to think thirty-six times in a row I wouldn't, but it's a mutual matter. Who knows? Um, yeah. We either way, it is quite a cool thing because uh, you can now use the um, the double jump dash to uh, go through green barriers, and that's actually quite useful because there's loads of of rooms that you passed oh, loads of earlier in the game which you couldn't go into. Now you can. Like to go back to uh, Fallen Order and keep them at them. Well, we couldn't, which we could have done another time. Right. So, after all of that takes place, we head back, hand over the hidden path contact codes, ignore the fact that Marin and Cow made out, and we continue on. Marin decides to join the Mantis crew again, which to be fair, probably seemed obvious after what went down. Yeah. I, I have to admit, one of my favourite moments, though, in all of that, was after the kiss. Because Cal's just there, like an absolute you know that meme where it's like, I think you've broken him? He's like that. He's just like he's just got the face of confusion he's not really trying to process it and bd's like tapping him on the shoulder trying to get his attention before the whole ground just shakes and he sees that the robot's right there beside him yeah it is uh a brilliant moment really i mean well to be done. fair can you blame cal yeah 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 um yeah there's a lot of fan fiction out there about Mirren. um a lot of great work on Tumblr, by the accounts as well, but uh, you uh, you poets can go check that out yourself. I don't like fanfiction, so I'll ignore that. <laughs> anyway. I, I don't. I know that's, I know a lot of people do, but that's not my cup of tea. That's okay. Other people out there can uh, go and do that, for sure. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I, we, go, we, go, we go on here, yeah, of course. So, surprise, surprise, we head back to Kobo where we head through a massive um, separatist space station that has crashed on the planet at some point after we learn that Z was kidnapped by the Bedlam Raiders. Yes. Turns out Dagangera ordered her capture because she had information in her head that he wanted. 
So we go through the space station. We almost end up in a fight with Ravis before BD decides to introduce Ravis and the wall as a couple mm. by throwing a fucking container at him, which completely caught me off guard. Do you remember that bit? Where they're about yeah. to face off, and then BD's mess with the controls, and you, the container just flies out of nowhere and shoves them into the wall. Yeah, not fun. And not we fun. unlock a new force ability to lift and lower. Which you can't help but feel would have been much more useful a game ago. Could you imagine having all of these abilities? in the first game how easy traversing the map would have been yeah yeah i mean some of it you can, i mean some people out there maybe maybe saying oh it, it would have been it wouldn't have been um a challenge or thing and it you know it's um the, the engine would have made a coat of it it's the same engine unreal engine 4 so it's the same engine guys that's why i look so good still So we go through the ship, we almost have an encounter with Ravis, we learn a new force ability, and then we fight Dagon, who we learn is stupidly powerful in the force, as he fights us with a double-bladed lightsaber with one hand, but he tends to use, if he splits his blades, he tends to use the second one with the force as he swings the other blade, which is nuts to think about how powerful that would make him in the force and all seems lost cow's in a tough situation and Bo shows up to distract Dagangera as we save ourselves indeed Dagangera does escape and but we manage to escape and survive rest successfully rescuing Z yeah who uh, uh... I don't know, I've, I just thought they make a trick with her. I don't know what it is. Yeah, what, sorry? I feel like I a trick with her, somehow. I feel like... Bit, it... Sorry about that. Um, I, was, I definitely... There's more that could have been done with her. I feel like that it could have been, been more with her, that's all. I... I understand it would have been difficult for her to be captured if she came with us, but I do feel like she should have come with the group. I feel like she would have filled the C-3PO role. Yeah. Because you have BD-1, who's the tiny adorable droid that makes the beepy noises. Indeed. And then you have the annoying talky droid that's more humanoid. But it is what it is. Yay! They need it. If she came with us, she wouldn't have got captured in the first place, and that would have cut out like a good couple hours of the story. This is also true, yes. Then at this point, we return to the moon and face down Ravis, the first boss with two health bars. Yeah. And oh my god, that second face. Not fun. Not fun. No, it was not. But that's what a boss should be. It's tough. Hmm. So, back to the dark sort of analogy. Uh, good work, I'd say, on that side of things. EA did right, a great I'll tell you what, though, running through the bloody um, engine core for the um, the array beam, as you can hear it charging up, and you just managed to like jump through the um, 
the barriers each time as you see like the beam of energy shoot through and the whole ground like sh shakes with it very unsettling very unsettling it does a good job of that very good job of that well i'll tell you what though when you lift up the massive door mm. and you got all the enemies in the room i never fought any of them i literally just spent all my time like pushing pulling them into the beam and watching them disintegrate it does remind Especially me of those hammer tree. It does remind me of a moment where um, it's <laughs> it's a bit like the old shit hatch, basically. Like, like okay, it goes doors again, sort of thing. Is how it would normally be because it's like rock and a hard place, sort of thing. But as you say, um, the fourth at this point, you've obviously been leveling up your force at various points because. There's meditation points everywhere now, and you can fast travel between them now as well, which is something that you couldn't do the last game, which was welcome, for sure. Yeah, but it was... Very much welcome. But in some places, it wasn't available, which I also thought was good, because you shouldn't be able to fast travel to places that you can't get to no more. Um, I had a point to make. No, it's completely gone. Uh, it'll come back to me momentarily, I'm sure. Uh, oh, yes, of course, yes. So, they're leveling up the whole time. No, it's little wonder that you'd be able to like, drag her into the beams. It's little wonder that you were a sadist about that, Alex. Yeah, we also learned that Dagangera lost his arm to Centauri Cree. Yes. Turns out when he went to collect the final compass that she was working on she tried to get him to stand down and surrender which he didn't he pushes her out of the way with the force and not expecting her to retaliate as he goes to pick up the compass she takes his arm that's what we're doing isn't it not wanting to lose him she hasn't put in the back to tank then see this is what makes sense to me she hasn't put in the Bacta tank till she knows what to do with him because she doesn't want to hand him back to the council because obviously they'd probably put him to death for what he's done. But she has, I think they have feelings for each other. So she doesn't choose to turn him in. She puts him in the Bacta tank in the forest array. But obviously then the attack happens on Kobol. You see the moon get hit, which shatters it. In raiders turning up in the atmosphere so she wants to send Z to go and wake up Dagon which That's Z twice. fails yeah. and is trapped Dagon doesn't awake and I'm guessing this is when Kree is killed yeah makes that's sense how, that's how I think it plays out anyway That that's a very astute analogy in Father Uncle said Alex yes so, after all this takes place, as said, we go up, fight Ravis. Probably the hardest boss fight in the game, in my opinion. Definitely the second phase. The first phase is pretty simple. Yeah. He just sort of swings at you, he does his own thing. The most simple yet amazing weapon ever. The fact, the bloody range on that staff he uses is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, uh, it's... Mm, it can get in the bin for a long I don't like it. I don't like fighting that thing. Then once we take down the second phase, which he's absolutely relentless in, 
we give him his warrior's death is he refuses to join us. As all he truly wanted after being alive for this long was his warrior's death. Which is an honourable thing. I can grant I can grant him that. I understand where he was coming from. When you live as long as a Gendai does, you can only have so much you can only want so much life. So yeah. it makes sense that he wanted the warrior's death. Makes sense. And then surprise, surprise, we head back to Kobo. We take on Dagangera for the final time, and with the help of Bo temporarily, before Dagon throws us into a false hallucination, we manage to beat him. It's close, but BD helps us realize that what's going on was mostly just an illusion. We use his fears against him, which is real shitty, but it is what it is. Mm. And we successfully beat Dagangera. Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting fight for sure. Um, It's not up there with some of the in the like, real psychological fights like you get in Metal Gear games for example but I wouldn't better get anything like it on this so I appreciate it so after beating that game what remains of the compass as it was sadly damaged in the fight we head back to Jeddah Eno called over reckons he can fix it and him and BD get to work as the rest of the group enjoy their evening Indeed. Bode, Bode seems conflicted as he mentions that he's thinking about Carter. Carter. Not Carter, Carter. That is that is dark his daughter, of course. We we convince Seer to bring the hidden path to to Tantalor with us. Again, it makes sense. And at this point, Cal and Mary Cal and Mary meet back up. He is ready to let go of the Order's beliefs and embrace a relationship with her, which is the most adorable thing in the game. And that is would have been the perfect ending. But of course, we're a little bit... We're not quite at the end yet. So. Oh no, we've got... We're strapping people. Because if you fall by Jedi Fallen Order through some curveballs, you ain't said nothing yet. We're Alex, discussing endgame to... stuff now. Yeah, take us to endgame, Alex. So, as we head back through the base, after the most fantastic, fan-requested, amazing thing ever, they found the key to Tanalore. The um, compass could be fixed, so it's all set up. Seer's come in with us once again. Cal confesses his feelings for Merin. Not well, doesn't confess him, but embrace it, is willing to embrace him because they were always there. But now he was willing to put his code behind him to embrace it. So it's all looking good. And then the alarm bells go off because the Empire has found them. Oh, Jedi. And as. Yep. And as Cal tells him, tells um, Seer to sort out everything on her end and prepare for evacuation. We find Bode's gun pointed at Eno Cordova. As it turns out, he is a Imperial spy. Sort of. 
No. He's an Imperial spy working for the ISB. Yeah, but he's not as... just an Imperial spy, is he, Alex? Yeah, he's... Yeah, I'll get there now. Right. As it turns out, he's secretly working for one of the heads of the ISB. So we chase him across Cheddar, and it's revealed that he has no intention to hand the compass over to the Empire, in that a terrible, a terrible fate is heading towards the temple. So if Cal wishes for his family to get out in one piece, he needs to let Bo retreat and head back there. Cal not willing to let Bo escape. He uses the force on him. Pulls out Dagangera's lightsaber. And it turns out he is also a fallen Jedi. I, I have to ask. Did you cause a lot of people claim they saw it coming? Maybe I was I think I was part a mix of two things. One I'm oblivious to most things, so I completely missed the fact that Bird was going to turn on us. And I never expected him to be a Jedi. Did you ever expect Bird to turn on us and be uh, the bad guy? I've got to admit, I, I wasn't his biggest fan, I'll be honest. But at the same time, I didn't think he was going to be working for the Empire. Um, I certainly didn't think he was a Jedi. They leave it so late into the game that you think he wouldn't turn on you because he was willing to literally take on a fucking Jedi. Yeah. Most people wouldn't go anywhere near a Jedi. Like, you got the seriously skilled people who are willing to tangle with a Jedi. But in the general gist of it, people don't go near Jedis because... They're ridiculous. Their acrobatic skills, the force, lightsabers, they don't tangle with them. Where were we? Yes, okay. So we fight Bode. Bode gets the better of us, uses the force to push us off the cliffside, and putting a bullet in our shoulder. Cow plummets down the cliffside and isn't able to slow himself down or smack in the ground in passing out from the pain which to be fair that was a hell of a bang mm, I've been shot he'd been shot and he fell in yeah that was a proper serious fall so he blacks out and then we get to play as seer hmm which was unexpected, but very much welcome. It was an interesting experience. And oh my god, you can truly tell the level difference between Cal and Seer in this moment. Is she takes out block meters in one to two hit. She cuts down like the top ranking purge troopers and commanders in like two hits. Her ability in the force affects more people. She's ridiculously strong compared to Cal, and I kind of hope we have that level of strength in the next game, because that would just be fun, and it really would show how far Cal has come since the first. 
That do true, yeah. That do true. Yeah. Come a long way, yeah. We storm through the base. Storm through the base, keeping the anchorite safe and holding off the Imperials. Sierra goes to get the contact codes as it's the last thing we need from the archive before they sent someone on their way. She requests BD1 to return back to the Mantis and join the others so they can get out. And who walks through the door? Well, the bad is the bad. Mrs. Skywalker himself. Yep, Darth Vader shows up. And at this point, you think, oh no, Sierra's doomed. Which was sort of, which is what I was expecting. But Darth Vader absolutely gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, Sierra's clearly been waiting for this moment since uh, when they when they went and got the holocron five years ago. She's been waiting for this moment. Darth Vader goes in there cocky. He goes in there ready to wipe the floor and kill her. And to be fair, his attacks definitely do more. Like in the middle cutscene where they're fighting and then she drops the um, archive on top of him, his swings are knocking her off balance because he's bigger, he's stronger. Mm. But he's not what... He underestimates Seer massively in this fight. Yeah. To the point where... The only reason he survives this fight is just bad luck on Sierra's end. Is she slices him across the chest, force pushes him into the wall, and leaps to get deliver the killing blow, which it says in her art, which it says in the her information because you know there's like the index and it explains characters. Yeah. It says how she was mere was mere inches from delivering the killing blow to Vader but he just managed to grab her arm in time avoiding thus avoiding getting stabbed and putting his blade through her stomach which then he as he struggles to get back up and limps away Seer passes on see I've I've watched so many videos of people playing this because I've wanted to watch people's reactions. Mm. I've you've never seen such mixed opinions on this encounter. A lot of people forget that Seer is the Jedi Master who spent the best part of five years preparing to face Vader again. Yeah. Because Vader, one thing he always did was trap people down. If he didn't beat them, he relentlessly tracked people down. So she spent five years preparing for this fight. And she almost beat him. But oh my god, there's so many I love Darth Vader. He's probably my second If you don't count the Jedi Survivor group, he is probably my favourite Star Wars character from TV, from movies. He, Darth Vader is an icon and he is arguably the most powerful in the galaxy force wise oh Christopher yeah yeah absolutely yeah, and fanboys are just ridiculous Fear went toe to toe with him and narrowly lost narrowly lost 
the, the fan the fan the fanboys were just ridiculous like they're trying to explain how this fight is ridiculous and it's rigged a lot of comments were saying that they only let Seer do it because Seer is a woman but I think it was just people getting shitty because Darth Vader didn't steal the show and it wasn't his show to steal in my opinion it was a nice cameo for him and to be fair it was it it felt right that he was the one to take Seer's life um, in terms of the story they're telling anyway um, doesn't mean necessarily that everybody is gonna like that you know oh, I, I loved it the fact that Seer was able to overpower him and almost kill him the fact he only won because of luck I loved that they did it that way it, it truly was the send-off she deserved as a yeah, character. For sure. And then the transition between her passing on and Cal looking at her final force echo is she says his name in Trilla, her Padawan's name, and then it cuts to the dark burnout building as he holds her. That is was beautiful. It was beautiful, and but it was also heavy. Well, oh, I, I shedded a tear over that. Mm. I was destroyed at that point. <laughs> it was heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, and then you get heavier from here. But because of one thing that Bo did. But Bo makes a selfish decision. makes a selfish decision. Yes. And yes. he gets Seer and Eno Cordova killed. Yep. So at this point, he's got to pay. So they track him down to an Imperial base known as Novageron, where Cal attempts to infiltrate and find Bode. We learn that Bode literally did it because. He wants a safe place for his daughter, and Cal wanted to take the hidden path there, which is obviously a top priority for the Empire to stop, and feared that his daughter would be endangered. So he stole the compass and lured Cal to the base to destroy the ISB and make him the number one target while Bode escaped. And at this point, we get to play Cal as he tilts more towards the dark side. Yes, this was actually... And we unlock a fun new ability. Yes. Oh, I'm not seeing your thunder. Haha, <laughs> thunder. So... <laughs> as I, I like this new ability and I don't because it replaces the old ability so we use our force slow which is a actual dark side ability the the ability that Cal has in the first game force slow that is actually a dark side ability because obviously you're slowing down time. you're slowing time for the person who you're facing so that puts them at a ridiculous disadvantage so it makes sense that it's a dark side ability. 
but we take it to a whole new extreme where Cal fuels it with the dark side as much as he can. He becomes angered and we absolutely mow through like 30 odd enemies in this one area. Yeah. As we then traverse through the base, chase an afterboat, he manages to escape. Cal almost turns to the dark side as he attempts to kill um, Denvik, but Merrin manages to snap him out of it. Thank goodness. We escape Nova Garon and learn from a digital compass that Bo got from Z while they escaped the um while they escaped the what it was called the space station the droid space station that crashed on Kobo yeah where we learn that if we align the arrays through the central control tower on Kobo it makes a flight tunnel through the abyss which is the only chance we have to stop in boat at this point so we head back to Kobo do a little bit of filler before we align the arrays, fly through the abyss, and arrive at Tanalor. Yes. Um. Where they? Where they? Where we do find Bode? We meet Kata. Carter. I keep calling her Kata. I, I think we meet like- Carter. Yeah. For one last time, and we learn that Cal and Merrin would be great parents. Not maybe not so much Cal, but Merrin would de- make a great mother. Oh, absolutely. Cal would. Cal strikes me as someone who would need to adjust to it. To be fair, yeah. we give both. <laughs> we give both the option to surrender, and in typical Bo fashion, he would rather fight us to the death then surrendering the a big fight takes place Bode almost kills us but we manage to slow down his progress with the dark side and after we beat him we give him one last option one last time to surrender yeah, he looks at Cal and asks if the empire comes will you be able to protect my daughter which Cal doesn't answer. At that point, when he sees the opening, he grapples Cal and pushes Carter out of the way with the Force, quite aggressively, I should add. And as Merrin tries to stop it, he puts her, he holds her with the Force joke in a moment that lasts way too long for my liking. They, Cal manages to move his leg just into position to knead Bo in the face as Merrin is able to throw a knife and stab him in the side. For me, as I, they both run to, I actually quite oh, like this bit though, to be fair. Because as they run to grab as they run to grab their guns, Bode grabs his first and fires first. But when Cal used the dark side on him earlier, I don't know if you noticed, but 
the guns they was using were on the ground sparking, mm-hmm. which indicates that they broke. But Bo did, obviously didn't see that because he was like had force crushed used on him. Mm-hmm. In that, well, having your insides crushed hurts a lot, I imagine, and makes you not realize your guns were damaged. So when Bird realizes that that's the end, Cow shoots him and then puts one last bullet in him to be sure, which was absolutely brutal because he could have gone for like the heart or the head just to get it over and done with, but he literally puts a bullet just above the lung and then shoots him one more time. I went for the head. (laughs) Which takes us to the end as they hold a funeral for Seer Eno Cordova and Bode and Cal and Cal sits at Seer's grave explaining how he promises to honour her legacy but he's scared of what comes next as he almost did lose himself in the end of this The thing is, is that it's it's actually quite um, a good analogy, though, in general, because if you end up losing, like, for your mental health, in a way, because a lot of people can, over the last few years, have learned how important mental health is. Um, some people have lost control of themselves so there's quite a good analogy for that is how I'd put it uh, whether or not that really get a bit too much into it it's open to opinion um, but I think it's quite a nice analogy for it I, I I think it makes sense that Cal almost lost himself in all of this because he went by trusting someone who he, he saw near enough as family at this point he lost two members of family who he had for years by his side not well not Eno Cordova but he lost Seer who he had for years by his side Hmm. so it makes sense that he almost loses himself in all of this just anger and regret it makes sense it does it does um, and after this conversation, that's where the game ends. Yeah. It's kind of abrupt, really. But what it does do is it opens up the... It leaves us with the scenario that a third game can fit in. Well, according to um, an interview with IGN... Um, there is confirmation that um, uh, Stig Asmussen, who was the guy who directed this game, uh, this game was always designed to be a trilogy. And the next one will hopefully uh, be using um, Unreal Engine 5. So, um, I just hope you are it. I really just hope they don't follow the same trope they do with all Star Wars games and all Star Wars characters. 
I just hope that Cal and Merrin and Carter get a happy ending at the end of the third game because you got Anakin, Obi-Wan, all other characters. They they all have the same trope that they lose loved ones, they go down the bad path, they end up sacrificing themselves. So I hope they just don't repeat that. Because for I one, I love these characters a bit, and I will be devastated yeah. if they kill Cal and Merrin. I also will be a bit annoyed in a way, though, because there's an issue here at the end of this game. They've got their perfect ending. Why yeah, they, I know. So, they leave Tananol at this point? What's the book? There's nothing, no reason to leave Tananol. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it, for sure. Hmm. So, um, one last thing to go over. Yes. Is. One last thing I want to go over before we rate this game is the whole boat dilemma. Okay. Because there's a lot of people out there who disagree with the way they handled Bode in this situation, with him being the bad guy doing it purely to keep his daughter safe. What do you think of it? Because the what I've seen, a lot of people feel that it was stupid how they took it. But to me, if you have a child, you you help raise them, they're your they're your blood and bone. Yeah. You raise them from a baby. They're all you got left because your wife's died. You're gonna do no. You're gonna do everything to protect them, no matter what. Whether it costs you your life, if as long as they're alive and safe, that's all that matters. Very so, I think Bode. Bode blew the whole thing out of the water with the with the ridiculousness of how far he went but at the same time his intention I think was perfectly understandable I have to I have to say Alex I actually slightly disagree with you here um it's been this has been done a lot better um in other games uh Metal Gear Solid 2 for example um they had Olga Galukovic um, having to do certain things because her daughter being held hostage. Um, I've seen it in in the Evil One. Uh, Barry had to work for Wesker because uh, Barry's family was being held captive by Wesker. Um, in this in this case, if he'd have told Cal, Cal would have probably fucking helped him. Hmm. I there, I wish there's a story here. I I love the twist of Bode being the bad guy. Hmm. But I truly wish even the if they guy? still killed off Siren Eno Cordova, I truly wish they didn't make Bode the bad guy in the end. I I understand I I think what they did with him was an interesting twist. It made sense for the character to do that to do anything for his daughter. But at the same time, I really wish he wasn't a bad guy, because Bode is... I really liked Bode as a character. 
To be fair, he, he was funny. Well, he he well, seemed. Well him and Kel had a had that dynamic duo thing going on. They really they they were good. Which simply so I wish it was clear that they'd been together for a long time at this point. No, they weren't together. Coruscant was their first mission together, so they weren't together a super long time. But no, a long they time. got on well. They may be their first and, mission together, but they clearly had known each other beforehand a little bit. Not not long, but a little bit. Yeah, so I wish they kept him alive. I wish he wasn't the bad guy. Maybe they should have... The Empire might have just found them. Maybe someone in the Hidden Path ratted them out. That... I know that would have been a bit cliche, rather, and not as dramatic as Bo betraying them. But I just wish I kept him alive. I wish he was one of the good guys, because it would be nice to see him in the third game. Maybe he was but... a good guy, Alex. Never know. Be nice. Maybe maybe he'll end up being a forced ghost, but I don't yeah. think he's powerful enough in the force to have be able to reach that. I guess we'll find out. Which is another which is another point of proof how powerful Seer is, because not many people have become Force Ghosts, yet she was able to. Because by the end of um, The Rise of Skywalker, I'm pretty sure there's only like four confirmed Force Ghosts. With Yoda, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and um, Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm. They were the only ones confirmed. So for Seer joining that, just proves how powerful she was. For sure. Right, rating time, then, Alex. Yes. Do you want me to go first? So, or do you, you want can to go, go first? Yeah. No, I'll let you go first. Actually, okay. I've done all the talking, most of the talking here. So you go first. It's all good, buddy. It's all good. It's all good. Um, this was a brilliant game. I didn't have um any of the big problems that a lot of people will seem to have prior to the patches we were quite lucky on that side of things um this gets a nine are we getting a five out of ten i forget alex sorry it cut out yeah. 9.5 did you say are we doing it out of are we doing it out of out of four are we doing it out of five out of ten Let's go out of five. That's what we normally sit to, so let's do out of five. Absolutely. So I'm getting a four and a half out of five. This game was delicious. Um, it was... Uh, my, as I said, my only real gripe with the game was that you couldn't find a Mantis. Um, apart, from, apart from that, this game lived up to the previous game, improved upon it, and uh, developed it further. Um, some people may question the ending whether or not it was a bit abrupt or whether Bo was worthy of being the bad guy but they built it up properly they built it all up step by step by step you did you did uh, missions together it was it was all designed to come to this conclusion um, and you were happy ever after you don't get that in every game four and a half out of five for me okay so I'm gonna go a 4.8 out of five. Nice. It's it's got a few little quirks that 
It's got a few little quirks. The dialogue is a little clunky at some points. Character decisions are a bit random. But it's so... The story was fantastic. The characters were fantastic. And I think that's what... What I think one of the winning factors is with this game. Let's look at... Hmm. You look at other story-based games. A character's there, they're cool, they die, you get over it. Like, what Jedi Survivor in Jedi Fallen Order does really well is it really does make you fall in love with the characters. It gives them depth, personality, background. The story is the focus, but they put so much time and effort into focus and on the characters that are involved with the story that it makes you love the characters and without without that love for the characters it would just be another game wouldn't it it would but it it propels it from a game to a story because of the characters and the characters are the whole reason that I rank it so high. Between the updated gameplay, the fact you feel so much more powerful, and the adorable relationship between Cal and Merrin. Cal and Merrin in general just elevate the game to another level. So 4.8 out of 5 for me. As I said, clunky dialogue here and there. But apart from that, the game is perfect. It's probably going to be in my top five games of this year, guaranteed. It's up there for sure. And let's not forget, of course, guys, as well, that the music was done again by the London Philharmonic Orchestra as well. So um, it's not like the music was bad. I mean, it was fantastic. It's beautiful music. Fantastic. And it's the all-star world music, always is. Right. So thanks guys for listening to us um go on for about two hours um about um about July Fallen Order, but that's okay because this is a great game and you guys should get out there and give it a go. Uh it, it's coming to Game Pass soon as well, um, which is even better. Um We will be back in two weeks. Well I will be anyway, back in two weeks anyway, because I'm gonna I'm going to uh, be bringing you a speed run review of F123 which I'm aware Alex won't probably be playing anytime soon although he has said he wants to get into F1 at some point um, but just to beat you just to beat me indeed um, yeah um, uh, we'll, be back, we'll be back soon with another, uh, another Game Junkies episode uh, I'm Matt I'm Alex and we're Game Junkies and we're out of here take care guys stay safe Boom. This podcast is a Mass Attack production for Visionaries Global Media.